In part two of the wastewater series, we talk with Tracy Wylidko, an industrial waste supervisor with the city of Reading. Tracy started down the medical pathway at UC Davis, but realized an environmental toxicology degree was more her style. She became a registered health inspector, a licensed environmental compliance inspector, and has been working with the City of Reading Wastewater Division for 14 years. Tracy believes the water and wastewater industry is rewarding, meaningful, and vital to the health of our local community and to our waterways. Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for the City of Reading? My name is Tracy Wylidko. I am the Industrial Waste Supervisor for the City of Reading's Wastewater Department. And Tracy, so we, there's obviously a hot topic in the news for these days, and it seems like it's been, been happening for a while now, with regard to flushable wipes. Uh, there's lots of questions around flushable wipes and, and their use and, and how best to dispose of them. So maybe just give us a little insight on, on what is the, what's the big deal with flushable wipes. Good question. The big deal with flushable wipes is that they do not dissolve. Normal toilet paper dissolves into tiny fragments within seconds because it's made of a special kind of paper. Wipes are made of polyester or polypropylene, which are plastic, and they do not dissolve in water, no matter what the packaging might lead you to believe. And then, Tracy, if I could just go back for a second on the industrial waste side of things, I'm just curious what an average day looks like for you. Like, what what do you do on a daily basis? Uh, My staff and I on a daily basis spend probably half our time out in the field, which means driving in work trucks around the city and visiting businesses, inspecting them. An average day could be anything from pulling open manhole lids at the backside of a restaurant grease interceptor tank and probing the tank to see if it's working right, to visiting a dental office to see if their mercury trap is too full, or checking how much dirt is in an interceptor tank downstream of a car wash. The rest of the time we're in the office either doing the reporting from those inspections or processing the photographs that we've taken or uh, dealing with other type of emails and responding to questions from industry or businesses in town. And that's all in an effort to make sure that the water that, that we are processing remains clean for our local environment, right? Yes. Our staff tries to make sure that whatever ends up at the city's sewage treatment plants is safe for those sewage treatment plants. So we are looking for chemicals that could cause harm and working with the businesses to make sure those chemicals are controlled and not let to go down any any drains or pipes. Interesting. And I guess that's more on the commercial front, right? Businesses and, yes. and offices. But if we are talking residential, is the biggest problem flushable wipes, would you say? Flushable wipes and a real close second would be grease and oils coming out of uh, people's cooking. And, and with regard to grease and oil, is it- after you're done cooking is the proper method of disposal, kind of put it in a container of some type and let it harden and then and then take it to the waste facility? Or what is the proper way to dispose of that cooking grease and oil? The proper way would be to do exactly what you said and then put it in their residential trash disposal container so they don't have to drive it in themselves. Most people have a trash service, so grease and oil can be absorbed with things like paper towels or put in an old can or something like that, and then just put in the regular garbage. 
And I actually, I Tracy, I did a little bit of online research on this just out of curiosity. And I, I know lots of cities do, they, they talk about things like greasebergs and fatbergs that kind of make it into the, the sewer system. Is that is that a problem that happens in Reading too? Because I mean, I think the city I looked at was New York City, which is huge, right? So does, does the city of Reading experience any kind of that thing? Uh, not to the extent that the larger cities do, just because their pipes are so much bigger. Um, the city of Reading started about 15 years ago with a really aggressive program of cleaning our own sewer lines. So we have crews that work daily to flush and clean and make sure that those greasebergs and fatbergs don't develop. And we've been doing a really good job of that. So we would see them if we weren't cleaning, but we have such an aggressive cleaning program just to prevent problems. And we've really, really lowered the amount of sewage backups that we experience in Reading because our crews are so good on the cleaning protocols. And, and on that note, Tracy, jumping back into kind of the wipe issue, I know there's there's been a relatively recent campaign that, that your department has started with the Bag It, Don't Flush It campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and have you noticed an improvement on the number of flushable wipes being found in, in the system as a result? Uh, we started the Bag It, Don't Flush It campaign really heavily in March of 2020. And what happened was that at the start of the coronavirus pandemic shutdown in California, there was a very real toilet paper shortage. You couldn't find toilet paper in any local store. And right after, within days of the shutdown, a neighborhood in Reading had a sewer backup, had a clogged sewer. And when our sewer crew responded, they found that the source of the clog that day was cut up pieces of t-shirts that someone was using as a toilet paper alternative and flushing it. Right after that, our sewer crew and our staff responded with signs hanging on neighborhood doors, signs in the streets uh, saying that wipes clog pipes and only flush toilet paper and then bag it, don't flush it was a quote that was picked up during an interview with public works staff that actually ended up getting national media attention. It was just so shocking to people that anyone would flush t-shirt material and think that that was safe for the sewers. But really, it highlighted the fact that people just don't know what's safe to flush and what isn't. Toilets aren't trash cans. They're a vital piece of sanitation for your own home. And we need to make sure people know how to avoid backups. So, so in, in your professional opinion, uh, t-shirts are, are not an ideal, uh, ideal use of uh, only toilet paper. Okay. Only yeah. toilet paper, only toilet paper. I think it kind of highlights that people don't think about their toilet as, you know, like a, a functioning thing that gets rid of waste all of the time. I mean, they just take for granted that their toilet is going to flush every time and that things are going to disappear and doesn't matter what you put down them. It's just kind of going to go away. Can you talk a little bit about why, what that assumption is for people? Like, why is it so hard to communicate this piece to the public? Do you think? I totally agree with you. And, and I was the same before I even started my career in wastewater. I never, ever had a thought about where anything went once you flushed. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, it's, it's a different 
world for me being in this profession and realizing there are some very real problems and the sewer pipe leaving a normal residential home is only a four inch diameter pipe and it doesn't take much to clog that small of a pipe. The worst case scenario that people could have is that if you end up having a sewage backup in your sewer line in your house, nice dark frothy blend of sewage is going to start bubbling up into your shower and your bathtub because they're at a lower elevation than your toilet bowl. Eventually things will bubble up into your toilet bowl too. And having that sewage contaminate your wallboard, your flooring, your cabinets, that's really a bad crisis for someone. Uh, could be expensive. You might have to live somewhere else temporarily. I would think that something that devastating would be easy to convey, but I think it's just rare. And so it doesn't happen to a lot of people. You might not even know anybody that's ever had a backup like that. So it's hard to convey. It's also hard to convey because we don't have a big public education budget. We're not selling anything. We're not trying to get people to buy a product. So we don't, we don't have a huge uh, way to market this information. In addition to only flushing toilet paper, as you've mentioned, are there proactive steps that folks can take to ensure that their lines are clear and remain clear and you know, within that four-inch pipe are in good working order? Oh, that's a good question. A lot of businesses, especially businesses that have food waste like a restaurant would have, do some sort of proactive cleaning of their drain lines, maybe annually, just to make sure that they never have a backup. Most residents wouldn't spend money on that. Uh, I think the best thing they can do is that if they do have any kind of slow draining sink or a problem when they are flushing their toilet, that they immediately find out why that's happening and resolve the situation before it becomes even worse, before it becomes a total blockage. Sewer systems are kind of like our vascular system in our body, our hearts. You can start building up stuff on sewer pipes internally and not really realize it until it has the blockage, which would be the human equivalent of a heart attack. Things can seem really fine until they aren't. And so I I don't think there's much that people would know to do ahead of time, but if there's any indication of a problem, just get it addressed as fast as possible so there isn't a total catastrophe. That's a really good analogy, Tracy. I don't think I've ever thought about it like that, but it does makes sense when you think through the process that you could actually be collecting junk in your pipe and then really all it, all it would take is one wipe or one misflushed item to cause a backup because you may already have gunk in your pipes that are that's not allowing that one wipe to go through that's correct all of these wipes they all advertise themselves as flushable. I mean, you can go into any grocery store on any brand and they all say flushable or flushable wipes. This is flushable. Why can they advertise that they're flushable if they aren't? And is there any brand that is truly flushable? Is there any consumer brand that you would rate as good enough to use? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. I think that products are advertised with various claims so that the products will sell and make the parent company money. The manufacturers of wipes 
have known for decades that their products can contribute to sewer problems. Their decisions on advertising are guided by money and profits. I mean, ping pong balls can also pass through your toilet, but nobody's marking ping pong, marketing ping pong balls as a flushable item. I even have jars of water here at work that have wipes in them that have been sitting since 2012. And the wipes are still sitting there fully intact in the water. As to your question about are there any wipes that I would consider flushable, any brands? Uh, The answer is no, there aren't. And Tracy, are you aware of any legislation or changes around the laws and rules with these flushable wipes as far as companies being able to advertise that they are flushable when indeed they're not? There are several efforts going on where the manufacturers are being brought into discussions about changing labeling and changing packaging for what they call flushable wipes to indicate how they can be more safely used. However, those efforts have been going on for about 10 years with very little change. There's just huge resistance in the manufacturing industry to relabeling or changing their marketing. And I think it's important too to note that you're not advocating that people stop using wipes. You're just advocating that people stop flushing the wipes. They can use the wipes, but just throw them away in the garbage can if they use them versus throwing them in the toilet. That's correct. We That's where the bag it, don't flush it came in is that we are not advocating that people stop using products that they're fond of, but toilets are, again, they're not trash cans. They're not meant to be trash cans. And even though it might be a change in your behavior, we are asking people to throw these products in a trash can and bag it and take out the trash. I mean, I just think it's important to say that there are real people on the other end of your toilet who are actually taking (laughs) care of the things that go down there, right? And so as a human, I'm speaking for myself personally, like it's really easy just to not think about it, right? Because it's the toilet, it's in your house, it's a very personal and private thing, and then you flush and it's gone. But there actually is somebody who is physically maintaining the pipes, maintaining the infrastructure, maintaining what comes out on the other end in these lift stations. You actually are affecting somebody else personally by what you decide to flush or not flush, right? That's right. Yeah, the city of Reading has over 30 people in our wastewater department. And the way I like to describe it is it's our job to take raw sewage and turn it into clean Sacramento River water. And that's the final end result of where our water ends up. We have sewage treatment plants, which are like giant factories that take that raw sewage coming from all the households in Reading and break that sewage down until it is as clean or cleaner than the water that's already in the Sacramento River. It's not an insignificant amount of water. Our treatment plants in Reading deal with at least six and up to 20 million gallons of wastewater every single day. What have you found to be one of the biggest challenges when working to educate the community about flushable wipes? When we're talking with our friends, we might have a conversation about what restaurants we like or what beverages we drink, but we rarely discuss what we wipe with, with our friends. It's not considered polite conversation. 
it's not culturally a thing that we generally talk about in America. So I think that's another barrier to having these type of discussions is people just avoid toilet talk. It's so true. So true. Absolutely. (laughs) You couldn't hear us, but we were cracking up laughing because it's like, yeah, that is so true. You don't talk about that things with your friends. I mean, you don't really even really talk about that stuff with your family. I I, I mean, I was saying, speak for yourself, Tracy. Come on. (laughs) Well, in my household, we do. (laughs) I'm like, don't flush that. And don't flush that. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to check out the other Wastewater Podcast episodes in this series for a deeper dive into the Reading sewer system. If you have questions or feedback on any of these episodes, please email us at podcast at cityofreading.org.